Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas with Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me. We have been on a journey for eight chapters now as I have been working through my book, Help, My Marriage Has Grown Cold. Be sure to get your free download of that book at lifeovercoffee.com. It's right in our store. It is free. You're welcome to it. And as always, share our links with 1,000 of your closest friends. I have been doing a long-form counseling session with my friend Mabel, who realized that her husband had a, a porn addiction, has a porn addiction, and she found out five years in to their marriage. She did not pay any attention to uh, the red flags that had popped up prior to marriage during the dating relationship, but now here she is, and of course, her marriage has grown cold. I have worked through a lot of things I will not repeat, but just encourage you, if you have popped into this podcast or the video, I would encourage you to go back and listen to all eight episodes or watch the videos, and of course, you can read the article content you can also get that free download in our store because I want you to see the sequence of the counseling session. I want you to see the intricacies of those counseling sessions and the things that we have worked on over the past six months, working with Mabel, trying to reorient her life to a God-centered way of thinking and living. Now, the process was not easy, and there were a few setbacks, as there always is when you're counseling someone. But perseverance has been vital, and I'm talking about the perseverance of God. He is a persevering God, but because of Mabel's humility, well, God does provide empowering favor for the humble, and so she has been able to persevere also. Now, Mabel did struggle with rebuilding her theological foundation, and I talked about that earlier on in these counseling sessions, probably chapters 2 and 3 something like that. And then we began to identify her faulty worship structure, maybe in chapters 4, 5, and 6. And of course, we talked about applying the gospel practically, and she stayed the course. She was appropriating God's grace, and she has experienced divine favor. And so I have asked her to process and to, uh, to implement the things that I've been sharing with her. And what I want to do here in chapter 9, I've titled it Homework for a Cold Marriage. And so I want to share with you some assignments and projects and initiatives that I gave to Mabel. And it will take all that we have talked about over the past eight counseling sessions, and it will distill it into chapter number 9 of the book, Help My marriage has grown cold, and you will be able to read through these initiatives, these assignments, these projects. I would love for you to personally apply to adapt them to your life. Maybe you are counseling someone. There will be some ideas here that you would want to adopt and share with that person. This here is a living document, so it's not codified. It's not something that you want to map over every person that you counsel. Please do not do that. But there are some ideas here, and there's some things that you would want to add. But I just want to see, I just want you to see my line of thinking as I try to bring her theological um, 
deficiencies and her worship structure, her sinful worship structure, and then also her lack of understanding of applying the gospel to her life, bringing all that together with some helpful homework assignments. And then at the end, I just want to give her some thoughts about how to think about Biff as she moves into cooperating with God in the hope-filled restoration of her marriage. Now, the way that I have lined up uh, laid this out. I, they're in sections here, and so there is concerning the gospel. There is concerning prayer. Uh, there's a section on concerning repentance. I have one on concerning a mentor, of course, and then I will wrap up with concerning her marriage, concerning application, and then concerning her marriage. And so I want to walk through all of those. And again, you can read everything here in chapter 9 titled, Homework for a Cold Marriage. Let me dip into these assignments. Starting first, I want to begin first with concerning uh, the gospel. Mabel needed to gospelize her heart daily. Now, the gospel is what flows out of our theology. The gospel is the person and work of Christ, so she needed to soak her mind in that good news, and I can't overemphasize the point that the good news is the person and work of Christ. And so she had to know many things. One of those is, is that God is absolutely for her. We see that in the gospel. God who sent his son to save our souls. But the gospel is also for our sanctification as well. And so the starting and sustaining place for this understanding and practice of the gospel is truly knowing that God is for Mabel. He has not left her. He has not forsaken her. He is very much involved in what is going on in her life and marriage. As I made the case earlier in the earlier counseling sessions that this porn addiction did not catch God by surprise, actually it is an answer to prayer because Mabel has a self-sufficient lifestyle of doing things her way, making decisions in a vacuum, somewhat according to her romantic dream, her fixation on marriage, and she really wasn't paying attention, and God was really not, did not have the primacy in her heart. So he allowed her to go a certain way until finally he just opened up the marriage with this devastating news that she heard, but she needs to know that God is in this. And so Paul tells us in Romans 8, verses 31 through 34, how the gospel is our anchoring point in times of confusion and despair. And so with Romans 8, uh, chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. By the way, I ask her to memorize. This is her first homework assignment. I want you to memorize those verses because it will anchor you in the gospel. And then out of that, I gave a few recommended suggestions. For example, I suggested that she practice praying throughout her day, but specifically that she emphasize gratitude for God's victory at the cross. And so this is not praying as far as petitioning for something or praying where you are uh, praying for someone or praying for something, but this is a specific kind of praying that centers around the gospel where she emphasizes gratitude for God's victory in the cross. I want her to thank Him for the things that He brings to mind throughout her day. 
eventually she will grow in a greater heart of gratitude and mind, growing in her awareness and all that God is doing. I want her to raise her antennae and to look out over the per- periphery and, and to see God working in her life so that she can continue to remind herself that God is for her. Again, she has to have this anchoring point. So in addition to memorizing chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, I want her to construct her prayer life daily throughout the day, sitting at an intersection, walking down a hallway, wherever she may be, to pray as she observes God operating in her life that affirms to her that he is for her. And then I recommended that she listen to gospel-centered music. Music is a great way to emote. And so let your gospel-centered thinking affect your emotions. And of course, gospel-centered music will be a great way to do that. Now, when it comes to music, there are typically two types of Christian music. The music that talks or the lyrics that talk about what we get, the benefits of what God has done, that's okay, but that should be a secondary preference when it comes to our music choices. I want her to think about gospel-centered music that focuses more on the gospel. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. Our music needs to start first and foremost with who God is and what God has done. The benefits of the gospel, we can sing that secondarily, but not primarily. And so when I say to saturate her mind with gospel-centered music, it is that kind of music that just highlights who God is, highlights His work on the cross, highlights the resurrection, highlights uh, who Jesus Christ is, Music that centers around the person and work of Christ. We want to saturate our mind with gospel-centered resources. You can do that through memorizing that passage in Romans 8. You can do that by praying as you see God operating in your life on a daily basis. You can do that through gospel-centered music. And then I'm encouraging her to socialize with gospel-centered friends, and she may need to pray for gospel-centered friends, those people who understand these concepts that I am talking about. And she wants to surround herself with one or two friends or three or four who are just enamored with Christ, who are so grateful for what God has done for them. And by the way, it would be good for some reciprocality as she asks them questions about the specifics of what God is doing in their lives too. And so not only is she uh, scanning the horizon and looking in her space for what God is doing in her life, now she's building gospel-centered friends who want to talk specifically about what he's doing in their life. And then through the music that she listens to, the text that she's memorizing, she's getting this beat of the gospel into her psyche. I also ask her to read gospel-centered materials. Let gospel-centered authors speak into her life. People who write on the cross, the people who write on redemption, people who write deep theological works on who God is and the many aspects of our great God. And then finally, under concerning the gospel, the first section in her homework assignment, I ask her to go to our website where we have millions of words at lifeovercoffee.com, saturate 
saturated in gospel-centered thinking, and not just theologically, but what we do, something that we excel at, I believe, is is applying the gospel to our lives practically. And so I want her to start to tease out now, not just understanding and appreciate the gospel and what God has done for her and for her friends, but also begin to apply that practically in her life. Lifeovercoffee.com would be good at that. In our homework assignment, this is chapter 9, Homework for a Cold Marriage Concerning the Gospel. Number 2, Concerning Prayer. I've already talked about a prayer a little bit, a specific kind of prayer, as she thanks God, as she observes His kindness to her throughout her day. But I want her going to the Father because it'll be one of Mabel's most potent and resourceful helps, as you know. God is her best friend, and God is her number one ally. And so I'm encouraging her to talk to God often, not just as she scans the uh, scans her life and see Him working, but I want her to examine her prayer life as well. And so I've given her some written assignments. How would you describe your prayer life? What one thing will you change to make your, your prayer life more proactive of a prayer life? And so I'm asking her to think through her prayer life and, and maybe uh, stabilize or fortify it in a more effective way. And so that's concerning prayer. And then number three, concerning repentance. We've been talking about throughout all of these counseling sessions, obviously Mabel needs to repent of some things. There has never been a bad marriage where one partner was absolutely innocent. It just doesn't work that way. Every marriage has had two participating sinners since Adam and Eve unraveled in a chaotic mess in the Garden of Eden. No one is entirely free from sin. And so without being condemnatory, and I've made a case for that throughout, that there has to be compassion and understanding as you recognize the, the horrific sin that Biff has entangled himself in. But again, we want Mabel to also address the log in her eye. And so I had Mabel to list her habitual sinful attitudes and actions so that she can repent appropriately. I ask her to take her sin list to God, confessing and repenting before His throne of grace. Now, again, this is not a woe-is-me mindset. I'm not asking her to, to jump on her sword every day or to wallow in a sin-centered worldview. I'm not talking about that at all. As a matter of fact, if we did not have any hope in the gospel, that's exactly what would happen. That's what's going on in our culture. They, if they think about what they've done wrong at all, well, then it can just send them in a spiraling devolution because they have no hope. But because we have the hope, we don't the hope of the gospel, we don't have to be in despair. And so we can talk bravely, transparently, and boldly, not in a boastful way, but we don't have to draw back when we talk about our sin issues because there is a solution and his name is the gospel or his name is Christ. And so I want her to continue to work through the repentance process. Now I ask her to enlist a friend who who knows and loves her to help create this sin list as she talks in a vulnerable and transparent way, which brings us to the next section of her homework for a cold marriage, and that is concerning a mentor. 
Mabel did not need counseling at this point as much as she needs discipleship in the local church context. And because the local church context is better than biblical counseling, because there are so many touch points in a local church context. She can meet for counseling, of course. She can do life over coffee. She can go to a movie with a friend. Uh, they, they can cook out uh, on the back deck. They can go shopping together. They can text together. They can talk on the phone. They could babysit for each other. There are a thousand things that they could do together uh, in a local church context that will build a, a fortified relational bridge back and forth to each other that a biblical counseling office could never do. And so she needs a friend to help her in her ongoing discipleship needs long term. She needed someone to teach her how to apply God's Word to her life practically. We can't grow in our relationship with Christ without ongoing relationships with other believers. And so I ask her, who will be your Titus to uh, that you can talk to on a regular, interact with on a regular, consistent basis? Suggested that she may need to ask her pastor for advice. He would have more data on the ladies of the church, the older ladies of the church that would be a good fit for the situation that she is in. Uh, then I asked her to go to that person and then ask for help. I also gave her some text that I wanted her to think through when we're talking about body-to-body -body ministry, a body-to-body -body worldview with soul care in mind. Now, there are more than 30 one-another texts in the New Testament. I only mentioned four or five here. For example, one another, the big idea. Paul said in Romans 15, 14, that I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you are that you yourselves are full of goodness, you're filled with knowledge, and you're able to instruct one another. And so I want to build that worldview in her mind. And then stirring up. Well, that is Hebrews 10. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And then, of course, there is restoring, Galatians 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And then there is confrontation. This is Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him. If he listens, you have gained your brother, etc. And so there are several verses there that I want her to be very familiar with. As one, she looks for a mentor, that she develops a mentoring worldview, recognizing that she needs ongoing discipleship in her life. She needs that stable friend who has the competency, the compassion, and the courage to stick with her because she has a task before, before her, not just reconstructing her own theological foundation and growing out of that and re-changing uh, her worship structure, but ultimately she wants to be a means of grace to her husband, Biff, who is habitualized in a porn addiction. And so that is concerning, concerning her mentor. And then the next section in her homework assignment, and again, you can read all of this in Chapter 9, Homework for a Cold Marriage. You can find that title at lifeovercoffee.com. And, of course, you would find it in the free download in our store, Help, My Marriage Has Grown Cold. And so concerning application, I suggested that Mabel get a journal. I know that some people are not journalers, and, and that is fine. But I've given her a list of questions to think through. And if you're not a journaler, this would be good, these would be good questions to talk to your mentor about. And so this is what I encourage her to 
to do to think through and maybe do some journaling assignments from. For example, if your if your spouse is a believer, then God will finish what He had begun with your spouse when He regenerated your spouse. And so I ask her, which has most control over your thinking that God will finish what He started? or the problem at hand? And then the follow-up is, why is this an important question regarding your spouse? And here's the danger, and I think you can intuit the danger, that sometimes we can forget because we look right in the micro of the entire macro of what's happening, and we forget the macro. And the macro is, is that God regenerated your spouse and most certainly God will finish the work that he has begun. That's the macro, and we can't lose that vision. But sometimes we can get lost down in the middle of the cornfield where we can't see to one end or the other of the row, and we can begin to feel the weight and the lostness of that. And so I want her to continue to reorient her mind to the bigness and greatness and power of God. And if you believe that Biff is a believer, then you can rest assured that God's going to finish what he has started, hence the question that I ask, what are you more focused on? And then I talked about repentance as a gift from God, and I asked her this question, which best describes you regarding repentance? Do you become impatient, angry, frustrated, or bitter when your spouse does not change? Now, if that is a general disposition of you with the unchanging spouse, then you are man- you're not just manipulating your spouse they could actually tick the box and pretend that they pretend that they have changed, even though they truly have not, uh, because you are forcing the issue. Uh, repentance is a gift from God, as Second Timothy chapter two, verses twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six suggest. And so I ask: Do you become impatient, angry, frustrated, or bitter when your spouse does not change? Not only are you manipulating and putting pressure, but you are complicating what God could do in your spouse's life. Or do you trust God to bring change to your spouse? And I asked Mabel to talk about how she needs to change according to this question regarding repentance. And then I ask her, who do you consider to be the biggest sinner in your marriage, you or your spouse? And I gave her Matthew 7, verses 3 and 5 to read, and 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. And then the follow-up question is, why is this an important distinction to make? And I hope that you can answer that question. And if you can't, then I would encourage you to read Matthew 7 and 1 Timothy 1 and answer the question and think through it. It could be a wonderful discussion with someone that you love. And then as far as the sanctification process, I wanted her to know that sanctification is a process. And so I asked her, what specific ways must you change to keep in step with what God is doing in your life, focusing on your ongoing sanctification, recognizing that counseling may not be the best fit for you at this moment, but you're in a discipleship context, which is unending until you meet Jesus, until you are glorified, until he makes you perfect. But up until that point, it is a process. And so I'm asking her, what specific ways must you change to keep in step with what God is doing in your life? And then two follow-up questions. Do you tend to be passive in your own sanctification where you're doing nothing? Explain your answer. Or do you, or you, do you tend to be impatient 
forcing the issue. Now, both of those are wrong, uh, but those are two questions worth thinking about and talking to her mentor, mentor about. Hence, I put them in there. And then the third one is, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? To be pneumatic. It's not being passive, and it's not being impatient. And so that's this middle space of walking in the Spirit, being illuminated by the Spirit of God, and responding pneumatically as He is working in your heart. And then I talked about faith in God and His activity to bring rest to your soul. Because we can have amped up soul noise. That is a thing. And if Mabel doesn't guard her heart, she can find that her her soul noise will increase. It will cloud her mind. She will not have mental clarity or sovereign clarity. And so I wanted to talk about her faith in God and His activity to bring rest to her soul. Here's the question. What good things have you received? observed about your marriage that imply that God is at work in your life. And then similar to what I was saying earlier, I wanted her to create this great uh, prayer of gratitude as she looks out into her world and seeing God do things. Well, now I'm asking again, I want her to start a gratitude list and to add to that list every day. She has to cultivate a heart of attitude because what she is being asked to do, she can get lost in that cornfield. And if she's not careful, she will lose sight of the macro that God is really willing to work. And then I talked about if your spouse is willing, would you ask him these questions? For example, here's one. Which are you most aware of about you, Mabel? What is Biff more aware of about you? Your faith that God is working out his plans for the marriage or your fear that things will never change? Now, would you be willing to discuss these things with your spouse if Biff is in a place to do that. Now, it could be that your husband's not in a place to do that because he's just immature. He's stubborn or whatever we want to define here, but you can't have that discussion with him, but you need to have this discussion with a mentor. What is more observant about you? You're in faith that God is working His plans out in your marriage or fear is driving you. These are the quiet things that we have to say out loud. And then I ask if your spouse is willing, then ask your spouse what they are more aware of about you. And here's another list. Your general gratitude for your spouse or your general displeasure for your spouse. And so again, she may not be able to ask that question to Biff, depending on where he is in his maturation with Christ process, but that is something, again, that she could ask her mentor. What does her mentor observe about her? Do you have a general gratitude for your husband, or do you have a general displeasure? Because here's the thing, that you can't hide how you really think about someone. We can pretend that we're hiding it. We can think that it's not disclosed, but you can sense that something is off. It doesn't pass the smell test when you are around them. You know there's something between us, though you might not be able to articulate what that something is. And so I'm asking her to have someone, maybe Biff or her mentor, to evaluate her. And then I ask her to name two specific areas where it took you many years to change, many years to grow and mature. Now, the reason I'm asking this question is because sometimes we can we can forget how long it took us to get to where we are today, that we have overcome a few things, you know, but it's taken a decade or two or more to get to this spot. 
And then when we're helping someone who struggles with those things that we have overcome, we can like be impatient with them. Like, why can't you get it? Not, and we have forgotten that it has taken us 20 years to actually get to this spot. The question is, are you tempted to expect your spouse to change today when it has taken you many years to change? Or in some cases, you still haven't changed. And then the second question is, how should you respond to God and your spouse regarding this question, especially if this is a temptation to you to become impatient with others about something that you are not committing any longer, even though it's taken you a long time to overcome it? And then the last section was concerning her marriage. And I won't go through all of that here, but you can read uh, this in the book, Help My Marriage Has Grown Cold. But the big idea that I'm communicating to Mabel at this point of her homework is I want her to consider the progression of the prodigal son in Luke 15, verses 11 through 17. We know that in verse 17, the light came on, he came to his senses, he's now in his right mind, and he is repenting. In verse 17, the prodigal was ready and he was willing to change. But it is possible that Biff could be in verse 11 or 12 or 13, that he's not ready to change at all. And so Mabel has to understand this, and she has to trust God for the process, understanding that that repentance is a gift from God, and maybe God has not granted that gift to Biff at all. Maybe God will not grant that gift ever. We'll have to consider that. But in the meantime, Mabel can model for Biff the attitudes and the words and the behaviors that she would like to see Biff manifest in his own life. Sometimes I'll frame it just like that. You want your husband to be holy. You want your husband to have a right attitude toward you. You want your husband to say the right words. You want your husband to behave a particular way, and it looks like this. Probably Christ-likeness is what the wife would be describing. Well, then... You imitate that. You become exhibit A for what you want him to become. And that will be Mabel's challenge. And that's why she needs a mentor. That's why she needs to go through these assignments that I have outlined here. This will not be easy because, as I said, I mean, God may grant repentance to Biff. Today, he's in verse 17 and he has come to his senses and he is in his right mind. He may repent six months or six years from now and he may never change ever at all. And her marriage stays cold forever. That is a possibility. But what she has to be at all times, that she has to be Christ to him. What would Jesus do? And that's where she needs the stabilizing effect of the gospel. And she needs the accountability of a friend. And she needs to continue to work through these assignments. And she needs to add more to it. Now, if you want to read this entire case study, again, go to lifeovercoffee.com to our store. Get the book, Help My Marriage Has Grown Cold. You can also go through these nine podcasts or nine videos. And if you do, well, you're going to have, well, they're nine. They're all more than 30 minutes. And so there's more than four and a half hours of content here explaining, working through the book, Help My Marriage Has Grown Cold. And so you can listen to those because it will give you more information than what is uh, in that straight read from that 
text that you can download. I would encourage you to share it with a friend, the book, and work through it. If your marriage is the cold one, then maybe you can have the experience that Mabel had. That's how I opened this book in the beginning. As Mabel was, and her name's not Mabel, but as Mabel was coming across uh, the foyer area in the church building. She had that little book in her hand, Help My Marriage Has Grown Cold. And she handed it to me, and as she was handing it to me, she said, Rick, God has used this book to change my life and change my marriage. I hope that's what hap will happen to you if your marriage has grown cold. And so read through it. Find a friend that you can work through it with. Listen to these podcasts or watch the videos. And then expand the homework assignments here in chapter 9 and add to, tweak them as you wish. And then we, at our website, lifeovercoffee.com, uh, please, there's tons of information on all sorts of things, whether it's the gospel or mentoring or theology or worship structures, self-sufficiency. There's a ton of resources there that's all free to you, so please take advantage. And then finally, uh, for those of you who want to learn how to do counseling, how to disciple another person, I would encourage you to take a look at our mastermind program, there is an informational LMS, a learning management system, and you can go through that free informational LMS and it will walk you through what the Mastermind program is about. And if this is a good season for you and this is something that you want to do, after you go through the informational LMS, please uh, contact us and let us know and then perhaps we can answer any further questions or, or talk uh, in uh, respond to anything that you may you may have. All right, so this is chapter nine, homework for a cold marriage. I am Rick Thomas. Continue to do life over coffee, creating resources that spark conversation for transformation. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.